The Twitter board of directors has threatened to trigger an economic poison pill in its jihad to prevent Elon Musk from taking over the company and letting conservatives speak freely in the digital public square. The poison pill involves flooding the market with discounted shares of Twitter stock available to all shareholders other than Elon Musk and any of the associates that he's working with to take over the company. This is terrible for shareholders. Their, their stock is just not going to be worth as much, but the board seems to think that it is worth it to stop Musk from bringing free speech back to Twitter, especially since it turns out that the board, now with the departure of Jack Dorsey, who helped found Twitter, the board owns virtually no stock in Twitter themselves. So the board is destroying shareholder value to push its own woke agenda, a woke agenda that happens to be shared by Twitter's largest institutional investors. I'm talking about BlackRock. I'm talking about State Street. I'm talking about others which in recent years have leveraged their tens of trillions of dollars in assets under management to pressure companies to adopt woke policies, specifically on ESG, environmental, social, and governance issues. Elon Musk still has several options with the takeover of Twitter. He could team up with other investors to purchase the company even at the higher price. He could instigate a revolt among shareholders who could sue the board for destroying the value of their stock. He could drag this thing out and pressure a change in the board members themselves. But even if that doesn't work, Elon Musk has already scored a major win. He's pulled back the curtain on the stinking corruption at Twitter. Until last week, I never even asked myself who owns Twitter. BlackRock? Saudi Arabia? Never occurred to me. Until last week, it never occurred to me that Twitter leadership was so, I knew they wanted to censor, but I, it didn't occur to me that they were so hell-bent on censoring conservatives that they would destroy the value of their own stock just to keep doing it. It never occurred to me, even me, even someone with a pretty dim view of our ruling class, never occurred to me just how hideously corrupt the whole system is. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment on Friday is from Barry and the Beast, who says, while I have full confidence that Jen Perlman could give Michael's podcast a perfectly punny name makeover, I think we all have to agree it must be Michael Knowles Best with honorable mention to Michael Knowles at all. Wow, you are good because, first of all, no one likes a Knowles at all, so I, I think I'm going to go with your first suggestion. But when we first launched this show, now five years ago, Michael Knowles Best was actually a name that we kicked around that I really, really liked. We should have done it. It's a missed opportunity. Michael Knowles Best, what a great name for a show. Good point, good point. Thank you. All the best ideas come from you guys. Now, you, you have a lot of valuable assets, your ideas, your grit, your patriotism, you've got, and money, right? You want to protect those assets, which is why I'd recommend you check out Birch Gold. Right now, text Knowles to 989898. If your retirement account has been heavy on stocks for a while, I got great news for you. You won. That's amazing. The value of your IRA or 401k has probably ballooned thanks to the longest bull market run in U.S. history. And after every bull run comes a recession. Right now, stock valuations are at historic highs only seen before the Great Depression and the dot-com crash. It's, there's the good news and then there's the bad news. In the face of teetering global stability, stock volatility is way up. So maybe it's time to take some of your chips off the table, secure your winnings and your future with gold from Birch Gold. Right now, Birch Gold will help you convert those gains that you have on paper into a real physical asset, and it will be in a tax-sheltered account. Nice try, IRS. Go get started right now. Text Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to 989898. With thousands of satisfied customers and an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, Birch Gold can help you protect your savings. Text Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to 989898 to get a free info kit on gold. No obligation to get this info. Go do it right now. Text Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to 989898 to protect at least some of your winnings with gold. Go check out Birch Gold today. Elon Musk has already won. 
I want him to win more. I want the Twitter board to be brought to heel. Okay, I want not just Twitter. That's the smallest of the social media giants. I want Facebook. I especially want Google. I want all of these guys to be brought back under some semblance of democratic rule or to be brought back into some semblance of virtuous leadership. But what they're doing now is so corrupt. And I want Elon and other people to bring them down. But I will say he's already won in many ways by exposing just how desperate these guys are to maintain their power, to keep conservatives out of the public square, to control the whole narrative, and to peddle lies, and to censor true information that threatens the ruling class, and to promote false information, misinformation, you know, the worst thing in the world that we've heard over the past five years, to peddle that kind of misinformation when it's to their benefit. There's a clip going around the internet right now. It's a clip of Mika Brzezinski and Joe Scarborough on MSNBC discussing how it's a grave threat that someone wants to take over and control the narrative because the point of telling people what to think, or the, the, the people who have the right to tell people what to think are the establishment liberal media. And there's a little bit of fake news here because Mika is not talking about Elon Musk, even though a, a tweet suggesting that she was had, had gone viral. She's actually talking about Donald Trump here. Take a listen anyway. Well, and I think that the dangerous, you know, edges here are that he's trying to undermine the media, trying to make up his own facts. And it could be that while unemployment and uh, the, the economy worsens, he could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think. And that if, is the that is our you... job. Oops. That's the part she's not supposed to say, but that's what all of them believe. And now I love it. Now you've got the left wing fact checker types, the blue checks saying, this clip is fake news. She's not talking about Elon Musk. She's talking about Trump. Who cares? She's making the same point. The point is no less valid than when she's talking about Donald Trump years ago than if she were talking about Elon Musk today. And it's just as scary and it's just as corrupt. These hacks at the liberal establishment media are saying we have, we have the right to tell people what to think. That's always why they were throwing this misinformation, disinformation label at Donald Trump. It, it, no one pushes more misinformation and disinformation than MSNBC and CNN. And sure, Republicans sometimes push their own talking points. I think the, the conservatives have been much more accurate much more faithful to the truth than the people who tell you that men are not women, that men are women rather on the left, than, than people who tell you that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians, than people who push just completely made up storylines, people that tell you half the country are neo-Nazi white supremacists, people who tell you that, that parents are domestic terrorists. I think the conservatives are a lot more faithful to the truth than the libs are in this case. But what, what the libs are really upset about is that someone is threatening their ability to control the entire message, to control all speech, which in a republic is the government, is the political order, because we govern ourselves by persuading one another and debating and getting information out to the public. That clip should go viral. That people should know this is exactly what these people think. And Elon Musk is going in and saying, look, we're not going to stand for that anymore. And the libs are going after him with everything they've got. They're willing to destroy Twitter to prevent this guy from letting conservatives speak on Twitter. It just shows you everything you need to know. And we're not only talking about a handful of purple-haired activists at Twitter HQ. We're talking about big institutional power that controls trillions and trillions of dollars. Why are they so focused on this? Because this is not just about some fashionable social movement or the sincerely held transgenderist views of the radical left. This is about a liberal ruling class that is not going to give up its power and that is going to make noises about their great respect for democracy, but really they don't have any respect for democracy at all. And they simply want to control their power just like every other corrupt regime in the history of the world. And, and so are they going to win? Is this one eccentric billionaire who owns an electric car company and a rocket company, is he really going to be able to crack that regime? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. 
But at the very least, you do have a big win here. He is exposing the rot, not just the crazy kooky kids on college campuses. We're talking about the political corruption and rot that goes all the way down to, to the most powerful interests in our political systems, in our financial, in our global financial system, in our media institutions, not just in the United States, but around the world. A rot that runs real, real deep. Corruption. Look at what's happening right now in just one agency of the government. Story came out, you probably didn't even see it. ICE, the Immigration and, and Customs Enforcement. ICE uh, blew $17 million on hotels for illegal aliens. That's, that's the headline. It's actually a lot worse than that. We're in the throes of the worst migrant surge in American history. It's going to be, last year, we took in 2 million illegals, 1 million legals. Uh, this year, we're going to take in way more than that. So um, um, last year, among the crazy migrant surge, in March of 2021, ICE entered into an $86.9 million contract with the nonprofit Endeavors for a six-month period. $87 million for six months. For what purpose? To house illegal aliens. Must be nice. Must be nice to be put up at a hotel. So the, the money was for 1,239 beds and other hotel services in, in Texas and Arizona. Now, this was a, a sole source contract, so it wasn't really open to bidding. ICE just gave the contract to this nonprofit Endeavor. Why? Why did Endeavors get this contract and it wasn't open to uh, negotiation and bidding in the free market? Unclear. Probably there was some corruption. Then they, the, this sole source contract spent approximately $17 million for hotel space and services at six hotels that went almost entirely unused. So they spent 17, you, you have the government gives this contract to this one group. Then this one group gives a bunch of contracts to hotels that never have to use the space, $17 million. Why? If it were me, I don't want to sound cynical. I would assume it's because there was some corruption along the way. And it exposes something about the illegal immigration problem that it, it's so basic that we almost overlook it. We say, why is there a major illegal immigration problem? Why won't either party do anything about this? Why, why, what, what's going on? If only I get elected to office, then we can, we can change this problem. No, the reason that illegal immigration continues and gets worse and worse and worse is because a lot of people in both parties, frankly, are making a lot of money off of it. The reason illegal immigration is allowed to continue and why our immigration laws are getting totally flouted is because of corruption. Now, when you want to reach millions and millions of people, I would recommend you check out Podium. Right now, go to podium.com slash Knowles. If you own a business, you know there are not enough hours in a day to waste playing phone tag. The list of customers that you need to reach does not get any shorter, especially when business is good which is why local businesses everywhere turn to Podium. Podium makes every interaction as easy as sending a text. That's simple. So your business gets done faster. Podium is not just a better way to communicate. It's a better way to do everything for your business. Gathering reviews, collecting payments, even marketing to your customers. Podium makes it all as easy as pressing boop, send. You won't just free up more time. You'll grow your business. You'll get more done. With Podium, you'll close deals with customers before the competition even has a chance to call them back. Join more than 100,000 businesses that already use Podium to streamline their customer interactions. Get started for free at podium.com slash Knowles. That's right, for free. Or you can sign up for a paid Podium account and get a free credit card reader. Restrictions apply. That's podium.com slash Knowles. Go check out Podium today. It's really basic stuff. This is not, sometimes we make politics too complicated and we get lost in the weeds of the abstractions of the ideology and the this and the that. A lot of politics just comes down to dollars and cents. Why is illegal immigration allowed to continue? Well, because the libs get more votes because corporations that are sort of on the Republican side, but more on the chamber of commerce, just cut my taxes and let me get richer side of, of the GOP. They make a lot more money because they get cheap labor. The government has a lot of grift in it, and a lot of people are making a lot of money. It's big politics attracts big money, period. That's always true. Oh, we've got a major crisis down at the border. 
hey, federal government, give my organization some money and, and don't let anyone else bid on it. And then, oh, hey, hotel groups, I got a lot of money from the government. Here's a, You scratch my back, I scratch yours. This is basic stuff. It's unfortunate, but it's basic. There's a lot, a lot of corruption here. You want to talk about corruption? The lieutenant governor of New York, he was just arrested. What was he arrested for? Corruption. And by the way, he is not the first major New York politician to be arrested for corruption in recent years. It seems like every few months there is a major New York politician who is exposed for corruption. The last governor of New York, Andy Cuomo, resigned in disgrace because of corruption, because of his mismanagement, then his cover-ups, then his financial corruption, taking millions and millions of dollars for this book that didn't sell anywhere near, nearly well enough to justify that kind of an advance. Andrew Cuomo, he becomes governor after who? David Patterson. David Patterson also had a ton of corruption in his past. He, he was not able to continue his political career. David Patterson took over for who? Elliot Spitzer, super corrupt governor who got caught paying zillions of dollars to high-class hookers. Elliot Spitzer, just on and on and on. I haven't even touched the state Senate yet. Albany, New York, the, the state capital of New York, is one of the most corrupt places in America. It probably rivals Illinois. And so when, when we talk about ideology, we focus a lot of our political debates in this country on just left versus right, Democrat versus Republican, progressive versus conservative. And that matters, obviously. We talk a ton about political philosophy on this show. But all the political philosophy in the world is not going to give you a good, flourishing, virtuous country if you've got corruption everywhere. This is, this is, this is one of the arguments as to why we've got to get a little bit tougher on just the kind of ugly, dirty, vicious stuff in our culture. A country that is saturated, for instance, um, this is a good example because it's actually happening today. A country that is hooked on a ton of drugs and porn and weird sex stuff generally and corruption and laziness and selfishness and a country that's hooked on all that is not going to be a good place to live. It's not going to be a leader. It's going to have declining global influence. It's going to have internal rancor. It's not going to be unified. It, it's that basic John Adams stuff. The country is built for a moral and religious people. The constitution is not going to work for any other kind of people. It's really that simple. You can have the greatest, most precise political philosophy in the world. If you're not practicing that stuff, it's not going to matter. Well, it's true of our elected officials. If our elected officials are all on the take and they're all crooks, then it, the country's just not going to work because the incentives are not going to be aligned to allow it to work. And when I use the political order, I'm not just talking about the government. I'm talking about Twitter. I'm talking about Facebook. I'm talking about Google because those are political entities that are controlling speech in our country. You got, there have been periods in American history where the politics, the political debate becomes less about ideology, less about philosophy, and more about just anti-corruption. Clean it up. You got to do it every so often. And we're in a period of real corruption. J.D. Vance, he's running in Ohio. He's, he's been on this show before. J.D. Vance is not running a traditional Republican campaign for Senate. He's not running a talking points, mid-2000s, cut our taxes and have a strong national defense kind of Republican campaign. His campaign, it's, it's hard to even call it a Republican campaign because he's so critical of Republicans as well as Democrats. What he is running is a throw the bums out anti-corruption campaign. This ruling class got stinking rich off the back of ordinary working class Americans. He's running a campaign that comes naturally out of his book. Uh, J.D. Vance is, is the guy who wrote Hillbilly Elegy, which became very, very popular at the beginning of the Trump administration, turned into a, a big movie. And J.D. Vance is running in a, in a pretty tight primary now, no, uh, notably against Josh Mandel and uh, a couple other people as well. So Trump just came out and endorsed J.D. Vance. Trump said, like some others, J.D. Vance may have said some not so great things about me in the past, but he gets it now. And I've seen, them, seen that in spades. He's our best chance for a victory in what could be a very tough race. I love how Trump has to address this at the beginning. He says, look, J.D. Vance has said things about me that I don't like, but nevertheless, I'm going to endorse him. And it's true. The knock on J.D. Vance is that he's held lots of different positions over the years. He has seemed 
significantly more liberal at other times. He was against Donald Trump in 2016. So does that mean he is a liar? I guess it could. Does that mean that his political views have just changed over time as circumstances have changed? That's true too. It depends if you want to have the really negative view of him or the more positive view. Certainly people's politicals, my political views have changed over time. I suspect yours have too. The reason this really matters though is this race in Ohio is going to show you which way the Republican Party is moving and potentially which way the country is moving. Ohio is a state that is a little bit of a bellwether. It kind of shows you which way the winds are blowing. And, and in Ohio right now, this, you're going to actually see a hint of what's going on in 2024 because you've got Trump endorsing J.D. Vance and you've got Ted Cruz endorsing his opponent, Josh Mandel. Josh Mandel is running a little bit more of a traditional Republican type campaign. I mean, they're both, they're both speaking in populist terms, but J, uh, J.D. Vance is running a, a much more eccentric campaign probably than Josh Mandel. And so you've got Trump versus Cruz. You're, you're, you are now seeing in these Senate races, in these House races too, a shadow campaign playing out. Yes, it's about 2022, but it's also about 2024. You've got to look at which politicians are backing which politicians who are up right now. And it's, it's going to show you who's got more steam rolling into 2024. Is it going to be Trump? Trump is the leading Republican right now in the 2024 Republican nomination contest. Ted Cruz is the leading Senate Republican in the 2024 Republican presidential nomination contest. Ron DeSantis is the leading gubernatorial candidate in the 2024 Republican nomination process. And you are seeing them all come out and endorse different candidates. Uh, Donald Trump right now endorsed Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. We'll get to that in a little bit or maybe, maybe later on this week. You're going to see some, maybe you'll see Ron DeSantis come out and endorse a different guy. Maybe you'll see Ted Cruz come out and endorse a different guy. Right now, those are probably the three guys to watch. Which way is the party going? Which way is the country going? It's going, I suspect this corruption issue is going to be a big issue. And on the, on the anti-corruption issue, Trump is the leader. Trump was the one who ran in. He said, I'm not a politician. These guys are all, all talk, do nothing, throw the bums out. Now, another major issue is going to be education. And this is where Cruz and DeSantis are really going to shine. Ted Cruz has been a major supporter of, he's probably been one of the leading voices in the country for school choice. Ron DeSantis right now is having a huge moment on education because he signed the parental rights and education bill in Florida. And that's going to be a big issue too. It's amazing how corrupt our educational and scientific institutions have become. There was a tweet I saw over the weekend from one of my least favorite blue checks on Twitter. He's one of my favorite in the sense that I get a kick out of him, but he's one of my least favorite in that he's so, he's just so awful. I mean, the things that he is proposing for the country are so awful. I think we should bring back formal ostracism to get this guy out of our country. That's how, that's how awful his ideas are. His name is Jack Turbin. And he's a nasty fellow, uh, but he's got a lot of credentials. And so he really sums up the ruling class. He's got the stupidest ideas. He doesn't know, he doesn't know uh, SHIT from Shinola. And yet he's got all of these kinds of degrees. I think he was a fellow or something like that at Harvard. He's now a child psychiatry fellow at Stanford. And he's actively pushing puberty blockers. He's actively, explicitly pushing transing the kids. He says, quote, puberty blockers, temporary, reversible, are more benign than going through a puberty that can't be undone. If you can't see that, then you really need to reflect on your biases and whether you consider hashtag trans people at all when you form your opinions. So here we are. We're almost at the bottom of the slippery slope. Several decades ago, people said, if you don't stand by traditional values and traditional sexual morality, why pretty soon you're going to have men pretending to be women. And they all were laughed at. And then when that came to pass and that then men were pretending to be women and we all had to go along with it, they said, pretty soon you're going to have men walking into the girl's bathroom and the girl's locker room and women aren't going to like that. And they said, oh, you're crazy. That's a crazy slippery slope. That's never going to happen. And so once we got there, inevitably, then we got to this point where they said, pretty soon it's not just going to be adults. They're going to they're going to encourage you to trans little kids. And they said, oh, that's a crazy slippery slope. And now you have people 
with all the kind of credentials and all the titles that our ruling class values coming in and saying, yes, you have to trans the kids. And if you don't trans the kids, you're a horrible bigot. You're a murderer. You're responsible for their depression and anxiety. And it is all based on completely bunk science and the thorough corruption of our scientific institutions. Sometimes you got to keep it simple. Like your bedroom, you can keep it simple with Thuma. Go to thuma.co slash Knowles and give your bedroom a refresh. We talk about it a lot on this show. Every place you're in is going to either slightly elevate your spirits or lower your spirits. So elevate your spirits by elevating your room with Thuma. Thuma practices an intentional, less is more design philosophy for the bedroom. Clean lines, subtle curves, lifestyle enhancing details. Thuma proves that simplicity can be extraordinarily sophisticated. Introducing the bed by Thuma. Minimalist design features Japanese joinery, helps elevate your bedroom. Made for how you live, the bed by Thuma is backed with a lifetime warranty, ships right to your door in three easy to maneuver boxes, and takes about five-ish minutes to assemble with no tools required. It's amazing. You can easily build it yourself. Even I can build it myself. Thuma offers other bedroom essentials too uh, to elevate bedtime. That's the nightstand, the side table, the tray. They're all perfect compliments for the bed. Create that feeling of checking into your favorite boutique hotel suite, but at home with the bed by Thuma. Go to thuma.co slash Knowles. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to receive a $25 credit toward your purchase of the bed, plus free shipping in the continental U.S. T-H-U-M-A dot C-O slash Knowles. Enter Knowles at checkout for a $25 credit. Thuma.co slash Knowles. Enter code Knowles. Go check out Thuma today. Americans used to turn to sports to get away from politics. Now the left has made that impossible. The left has turned even sports into a stage for their radical leftist agenda. NBA star Jonathan Isaac is not having it. Isaac faced heavy criticism from the media for his views on social issues and vaccines over the past few years, because Jonathan Isaac was generally speaking right about those things, and the ruling class was almost uniformly wrong about those things. That's why I'm extremely excited to announce that Jonathan has decided to write a book with us called Why I Stand. Jonathan's book will be about the rise of his basketball career, his journey into faith, and his strength to stand alone in the face of immense pressure. The book's available for pre-order now at Amazon. Reserve your copy today. We'll be right back with a lot more. The lies that the ruling class are pushing about puberty blockers and transing the kids are so hideous. I can't even read it without my blood pressure going up. I'm a pretty cool guy. I'm pretty much cool as a cucumber. This stuff, I read this tweet from this guy, Jack Turbin, who is just such a creep. It's just a nasty little creep. It, it's, it's hard to read what he is trying to do, which is, which is effectively to abuse little kids. Call, let's call it what it is. I know there's a debate over, can we use the term groomer or not groomer? I, we'll leave that for another day. There is no way you can read this. This guy wants to trans little kids and put them on cross-sex hormones and mutilate their bodies. That is child abuse. That's all it is. And this guy, Jack Turbin, he's a child abuser. And maybe he doesn't think he is, or maybe he knows he is, or I don't know. I don't really care how he views himself. That is what he is doing. And he's pushing lies about this process. It's really dangerous because there are probably parents out there who are going to be confused, whose kids are going to be convinced that they're transgender because of social movements and because of creeps in the public schools and, and lots of other factors in our society. And they're not going to know what to do and they're going to want to do what's best for their kids. And they're going to inadvertently pump their kids full of poison. It's horrible. This guy, Jack Turbin, says that puberty blockers are temporary and reversible. It's just not true. I've got here a, a report about a study. It's come out in the New Atlantis Journal. Uh, it's called Growing Pains, Problems with Puberty Suppression in Treating Transgender Dysphoria. This is co-authored by very serious scientists. Paul H. Ruse, a professor at Washington University School of Medicine. Lawrence S. Mayer, a scholar in residence at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, uh, which, let's not forget, Johns Hopkins pioneered the transgender surgery and then ended up shutting it down uh, because it wasn't helping anybody. But this is probably the top medical school in the country. Uh, this guy, Lawrence Mayer, is also at Arizona State. And Paul McHugh, who was 
at Johns Hopkins. He's a distinguished professor of psychiatry at Johns Hopkins University of Medicine, former psychiatrist in chief at Johns Hopkins, also who pioneered this transgender surgery. These guys are all pointing to a huge increase in young people getting these kind of transgender experiments being done on them. And they're saying this is really dangerous. This is really bad. First, the paper says that the treatment is not necessarily reversible. That actually, what the scientists point out is, quote, there are virtually no published reports, even case studies of adolescents withdrawing from puberty suppressing drugs and then resuming the normal pubertal development typical for their sex. So while creeps like this guy, Jack Turbin say, oh, the puberty, just put your kid on puberty blockers. If, you know, if your little boy reaches for a Barbie doll, look, better to just delay puberty than to have him discover he's transgender after it's, he's gone through an irreversible puberty. And don't worry, the blockers will be, uh, will be temporary or reversible. There's no, there's no evidence of that. Second, these scientists take on the idea that treatment is harmless. Now, puberty blockers, what they do is they pump you full of hormones and they, they, they suppress secondary sex characteristics from developing. Uh, what these guys write is puberty suppression hormones prevent the development of secondary sex characteristics, arrest bone growth, decrease bone accretion, prevent full organization and maturation of the brain, and inhibit fertility. We're talking about really, really dangerous stuff. There's so many cases of this. One of the main uh, puberty blocking drugs is Lupron. Uh, many patients are not exposed to, or they're not told about the full side effects of these. The extreme side effects that you can have from, from Lupin, from the puberty blocking, just temporary reversible stuff, uh, joint pain, severe joint pain, osteoporosis, compromised immune systems, severe mental health issues such as depression and even suicidal ideation. The FDA has received 24,000 reports of adverse reactions, half of which the agency itself has admitted are quite serious. Just to give you an example of some, some cases of this, uh, and you can just Google it adverse side effects from puberty blockers. Uh, one person suffered not only constant pain, but strange rashes, severe osteoporosis, and multiple surgeries. Expert witnesses in court cases brought here have, have concluded that plaintiffs in these cases have suffered extreme bone density loss and other symptoms as a result of Lupron beginning at age 17. And the, the most important finding of these reviews uh, shows that 62.5% of patients treated with Lupron for, and Lupron can be used for completely different conditions, endometriosis, other conditions like that, had not regained baseline estrogen levels by one year after stopping. So the idea that, oh, don't worry, you go off it, you'll go right back to normal, that's just complete BS. And then finally, the idea that puberty blockers are cautionary is absurd. The argument that creeps like Jack Turbin and these other weird, creepy, child-abusing, call them groomers if you want to, people, are doing is they're saying, look, it's better for your kid to go on the puberty blockers now than to let puberty set in. Because if the puberty sets in, then their, their depression, their anxiety, their, their suicidal, suicidality is going to get much, much worse. There's no evidence of that. Actually, in most cases, gender confusion before puberty is going to just go away after puberty. The authors write, gender identity for children is elastic. That is, it can change over time, and plastic, that is, it can be shaped by forces like parental approval and social conditions. And unfortunately, what they point out is this transgender treatment, it's not treatment, it's child abuse, will actually harden feelings of gender dysphoria. So not only will it not make it better, it'll actually make it worse so that those, those rates of suicide, anxiety, depression, they're going, to, they're going to stick around in there. I really encourage you really encourage you to uh, read up on this sort of thing. But when I, when I think about, just at a very human level, when I think about people like Jack Turbin, when I think about these creeps in, with positions of authority, with the white lab coats, sitting there, talking to a confused and desperate parent of a kid who maybe has some sexual identity issues and saying, what we recommend, if you really love your kid, if you really love your kid and you don't want your kid to die or kill himself, then what you need to do is mutilate his body and pump him full of cross-sex hormones. And uh, don't worry, it'll be fine. If you want to reverse it, it'll be fine. And then, and then these parents do it. 
They, they fall into the lies of these predators like Jack Turbin. And then their kids end up with massive bone density loss on walkers with horrible psychiatric conditions. It's sick. It's child abuse. People like this guy, Jack Turbin, and others who are pushing this, these quacks, these psychopaths who are pushing this, should at the very least be imprisoned for life. There should be a law against this. They should be prosecuted, and they should face the consequences for these prosecutions. I can think of few things worse than child abuse, abuse of confused, vulnerable little kids, the regret that their parents are going to feel after they've been lured into this. And these sickos need to be brought into line by our law. No question about it. It's so corrupt. It's so corrupt because we covered this a week or two ago. The, the, even the government is coming in and saying, no, parents, it's really good. You need to trans your kids. It's really important. That's what the science says. And where are they getting that from? They're getting that from organizations such as the Trevor Project, which are conducting studies and surveys on the effectiveness of trans, transgendering the little kids. And where's the Trevor Project getting their money from? The Trevor Project is getting their money from the pharmaceutical companies like AbbVie that are producing the drugs to trans the kids. It's so freaking corrupt. And we should not stand for this. Someday, you're going to have generations from now, let's say 100 years from now, 200 years from now, you are going to read about, or you're not going to, you're going to be dead, but you're going to have future generations reading about what we did to little kids with this insane sexual psychosis fetish, whatever the hell this transgender thing is. We are going to see future generations read about this and say what sickos those people were in the 2020s in the 2030s, that they would conduct these kind of medical experiments on little kids that were so abusive. A lot of it, a lot of it stemming from confusion, a lot of it stemming from corruption. You, want, you see corruption all throughout the educational institution. There was, there was a math assignment in Pennsylvania. This is the math assignment. I can't, I'm reading this from Snopes, by the way, so don't accuse me of misinformation or disinformation. Here's a, here's a math question. This is a math question from an assignment from a math teacher in a Pennsylvania school. Y equals X plus two. Okay, that sounds like a math question. Three X plus three Y equals 12. Okay, now I could probably, yeah, I could probably solve that, that math question. And then here's the third part of the math question. Maya Angelou was sexually abused by her mother's blank at age eight, which shaped her career choices and motivation for writing. A, boyfriend. A, zero, two, boyfriend. B, four, six, brother. C, negative three, negative one, father. When I saw this, they go, there are others. Another question. X equals Y minus one. Y equals negative four. X plus 21. And then the third part. Trying to support her son as a single mother. She, Maya Angelou worked as a pimp prostitute and, and then it says bookie, drug dealer, nightclub dancer. Th- these are math questions on a math assignment. When I saw that, I said, that's fake news. There's no way that's real. There's no way. That's just some conservative hoax. There's no, no, it's real. Even this liberal site, Snopes, admits that this is true. And they basically just defend it. In January, 2017, a high school in the suburbs of Philadelphia became the subject of international headlines after a math teacher gave students a homework assignment that made references to sexual assault and prostitution. But they say, no, it's okay, because it, it was just as part of this series of assignments to uh, celebrate the Maya Angelou, who's this extremely leftist writer, an t- absolutely terrible poet. I know it's not, it's not politically correct. Everyone, we've all got to talk about how great Maya Angelou is. She's now taught in a lot of schools. She's a horrible poet. She's, it's, every second you spend reading Maya Angelou's crappy poetry would be, is just wasted. You would be much better spent reading a good poet. I, read some Keats. I don't read, read I, I don't know, Coleridge, Shakespeare, Dante. Don't read Maya Angelou. It's such a waste of time. And, but they defend it and they all blend it together. And so that even in math class, you have to focus on the weird life of a radical leftist poet. Why do they do that? They do that because Kids' minds are plastic and elastic, just like those authors said in in the transgender study. And kids' minds are plastic and elastic, and they want to shape them, and they want everything to be about leftist politics, not just in civics class, 
not just in history class, not even just in literature class. They're doing it in math class too. That's not some innocent, though perhaps misguided, uh, educational theory that is supposed to improve. No, that's a political agenda being taught in math class. This is why it's so funny when the libs in Florida say, there is no transgenderism being taught in kindergartens. Or when the libs say, there is no critical race theory being taught in schools. Of course, of course there is. There's no critical race theory class. No, you're right. There's no critical race theory class. Critical race theory is in every class. There's no transgenderism class. No, you're right. Well, there sort of is because there's sex educate, comprehensive sex education in schools, which is teaching a, a very leftist view of human sexuality. But beyond that, it's being taught in every class. When there's a math problem, Johnny, Johnny wants to become Jane and he's going 60 miles an hour leaving St. Louis. <laughs> you know, I'm using a kind of silly example, but when you read these, ma- these actual math problems from Pennsylvania, seems a lot less silly. And the schools are a source of corruption because it's where the government can really exercise and expand its power. This is why right now, amid the worst inflation in 40 years, at least, Jen Psaki, White House spokesman, just in a podcast with those, those lib guys on the, on the Pod Save America show, uh, is now calling for the cancellation of student debt. Is the president taking executive action to cancel some a level of student debt still on the table? And yeah. like, when is that going to... Yes, still on the table. Still on the table. So just to play out what Ron Klain was talking about. So as you said, it ends August 31st. We have to then decide whether it's extended. And what you look at is... Uh, even though the economy is very strong, we created more jobs last year than any, any year in history. Um, even though that's the case, we know, as we've been talking about, costs are too high. And certainly not having to pay back student loans. Nobody's had to pay a dollar, a cent, anything in student loans since the, Joe Biden's been president. And if, if that can help people uh, ease the burden of costs in other parts of their life, that's an important thing to consider. That's a big part of the consideration. So between now and August 31st, it's either going to be extended or we're going to make a decision, as Ron referenced, about uh, canceling student debt. So economically, this makes no sense. But the Biden record on the economy makes no sense either. Her claim, we in the Biden administration created more jobs than ever last year. That's just a lie. What you did was you let people go back to work. You didn't create, you didn't create any jobs. You previous, and actually at the end of the previous administration, the government said, you can't work. You can't go to work. We're going to shut down huge segments of the economy and we're going to just force you to stay at home. And then Biden comes in and slowly he says, okay, some of you can go back to work. That's not creating jobs. That's just lifting an extremely burdensome regulation that allows people to go back to the things that already existed long before Joe Biden got into office. But the, the explanation of the student debt policy is not economic at all. It's not that it'll fight inflation. It's that it is corrupt. It's that it's a payoff. It's that it's going to give the Democrats some, at least temporary, political advantage. When you are in a period of high inflation, it does not make sense to just start forgiving huge amounts of debt. It doesn't make sense for a whole host of reasons, but one of the reasons is then you're just flooding the economy with more money. But you you don't want to flood the economy with more money. That's not going to help the inflation. That's going to make inflation much worse, actually. Uh, even, Even Larry Summers, who is Obama's chief economist, said that these sorts of schemes that the Biden administration is cooking up don't make economic policy sense. So then how do we explain it? Furthermore, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because something like a quarter of Americans graduate from college, and it tends to be the people who graduate from college generally make more money and generally have higher social outcomes. Not always because the value of a college education is very much in question these days. But so now you've got a situation where you've got the entire American tax base paying to send statistically rich kids to college. Why would you do that? That seems like a very regressive tax from the so-called progressive administration. Well, it's a payoff because college graduates are more likely to support Democrats. So if you 
pay off their debts, they're going to like you even more. They're going to be even more likely to support Democrats. So it's a payoff to the base. But two, it's going to create incentives for kids to go to college where they're going to learn all sorts of insane underwater basket weaving and lesbian dance theory. And, and just broadly, they're going to learn the leftist view of the world and they're going to be indoctrinated there. And so then, just again, just statistically, they're going to be more likely to vote for Democrats. So it creates an incentive to get more Democrat voters. Why not pay off the why, why not forgive business loans? Wouldn't that be a better way to help the economy? I, well, I don't think that's a good idea either, by the way. But if you're, if you're trying to rev up the economy, why are you forgiving the loans of sociology majors at, at Brandeis or at Hamilton when you could be forgiving certain business loans where businesses actually incurred really difficult costs, especially during COVID-19 and the lockdowns? Because that's not going to be quite as politically effective. Maybe they'll do a little bit of that too, but it's not going to be as politically effective for the Democrats. It's just corrupt. And on this show, I, I've, I've never listened to an episode of the, the Pod Save America show. It's all these old Obama bros. That they're kind of a contrived thing, and they were, they were really being peddled very hard by Hollywood for a while. There's a big billboard of them right on the Sunset Boulevard. And, but uh, despite their best efforts, I, it hasn't ever really become the broad cultural megaphone that I think the libs want it to be. It's just, it's kind of like The Daily Show, we, oh, back when The Daily Show was being run by Jon Stewart. It doesn't have a huge, it's not the hugest audience, but it is listened to by all the right influential liberal people. And so on this show, Jen Psaki remains on. They're having a casual conversation. And she ends up calling Peter Ducey at Fox News a stupid SOB. Because we have to talk about Peter Ducey for one second. Sure. Okay. Okay. Is he a stupid son of a bitch? Or does he play a stupid son of a bitch on TV? Okay. Um, well, um... He works for a, a network okay. that um, provides people with questions that nothing personal to any individual, including Peter, Peter Ducey, but might make anyone sound like a stupid son of a bitch. So, <laughs> well handled. Um, well, here's what I, can I tell, can I, I don't know if this is not going to be popular in this crowd, but can I tell a nice Peter Ducey story? Yeah, a very quick I mean. one. <laughs> okay. Come on. People are attacking Jen Psaki for this. I actually really have no problem with Jen Psaki's answer. I find the question from the Pod Save America guys to be like nails on a chalkboard. It's just so soy, I guess, is how you, it's so, oh, Jen. Jen, what do you think? He sounds like a stupid SOB. Rare. Uh, ooh, oh, it's just so, uh, oh, gosh, these people are just awful. <laughs> it just, and I actually thought Jen Psaki answered it well. She gives her answer, go, oh, what a good answer. Rare, uh, mm, mm, caddy. Uh, but Jen, Jen's answer was fine. They're really quoting Joe Biden. Joe Biden referred to, to Peter Ducey this way. And she says, well, it's not Peter Ducey's fault, but I hate, I, I don't like Fox News, and Fox News would make anyone sound like this. And uh, so, okay, now they're saying this is. Uh, disrespectful from the press secretary. Well, look, the press secretary is the spokesman for the president. If the president's going to say it, blame the president. I, I don't blame Jen Psaki for this. I don't blame the staff member. I do blame Joe Biden, who is just as tough on the press as Donald Trump. Don't forget, Donald Trump would go to these rallies and he'd point back at the CNN booths and the MSNBC booths and he'd say, look back there, look at that slime, look at those scum, that dirt back there. <laughs> and I thought, that's great. That's true. First of all, it's true. I had no problem. I don't think it's a horrible assault on journalism and the intrepid independent reporters. No, I think it, the, the establishment media are shills and propagandists for the ruling class. It is very good to point that out. It's very good to insult them as an institution. Uh, that's not quite as true of conservatives because conservatives have relatively very, very few outlets, very little place in the establishment media. I, I, I don't take issue with Jen Psaki. I take issue, though, with the, the liberal journos who defend her. Brian Stelter comes out, and, and Brian Stelter said, absolutely, go after that, Peter Ducey. The point she's trying to say there is that Fox pushes storylines that are sometimes nonsense. Ducey does that in the briefing room, but still, she did it in a way playing to a liberal audience that certainly is going to cause a lot of outrage from Fox 
probably for the next few days, right? Here's what the network says in a statement. Uh, Fox telling me, quote, in his role as White House correspondent, Peter Ducey's job is to elicit truth from power for the American public. His questions, they say, are his own. He's a terrific reporter and we're extremely proud of his work. So basically Fox is saying, hey, we don't provide him questions. He comes up with it himself. So they're defending his honor. I think Jen Psaki's kind of like, remember in senior year, spring of your senior year, you're about to graduate and you're just tired of all this. I think we're seeing that from Jen Psaki. She's about to leave the White House. She's gonna go to a job likely at MSNBC. So she's kind of relaxing and maybe to sharing how she really feels. So it's the same answer that you heard from the Pod Save America guys. They're saying, ooh, go get him. You drag him. Yes, queen, slay. But this is very silly coming from Brian Stelter. One, I hate to even say it, if the show were on the other foot, don't you? Imagine if the roles were reversed. But of course, whenever Donald Trump attacked the media, you would hear this is, he's putting journalists in danger. Jim Acosta, Brian Stelter, this is an attack on our democracy. And then Jen Psaki and Joe Biden uh, use language that's at least as aggressive as Donald Trump. And it's all funny and it's all catty and it's whatever. And then they go after Fox News for pushing fake stories. I have no desire or responsibility to defend Fox News. Fox can defend itself. But it is pretty silly to have CNN accusing anyone else of pushing fake stories. CNN, which pushed the Russia hoax, which pushed the, then I guess the Ukraine hoax, the, the second reason they impeached Donald Trump some years ago. Then they pushed this hoax. Then they pushed that hoax. Then they, they, they pushed so, much, so many lies for so many years at a time it, that it, it, it's not an accident. It's not that they just got a story wrong. It speaks to deep rank corruption within the system. That system includes the media, and that system includes the government, and that system includes the administrative agencies, and that system includes the nonprofits, and that system includes the corporations, and that system includes big tech, and that system includes Twitter, and it's why Elon Musk is doing us such a public service by exposing it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. 